Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Last time we had this message, uh, we looked at a couple points. Just to remind you, togetherness is an essential Two, and it's a sign of healthy relationships. And one of the things that I was saying is that in a healthy relationship, time apart kindles the desire to be together. So again, if you have a healthy relationship, the time apart kindles the desire to be together. If you don't uh, have a problem being apart in a healthy uh, in a relationship, uh, chances are it, it might not be a healthy relationship. Again, uh, it kindles the desire if it is. The second thing is abounding love towards all men, especially believers, is essential for living above reproach. And so uh, whenever we are growing in our love, abounding in our love towards each other and towards all men, uh, that's a path to uh, living that life above reproach. And so very vital points, last message, we got to be together, not just physically, but spiritually. So uh, if you were here, you remember I was saying it's important that you're here. You guys are here on a Wednesday night. That's important. That's crucial. Anytime the body meets, to be here. But it's not just about being here physically. It's about being here in your heart spiritually, uh, engaging in what God has for us as a body. Um, And again, our love for each other should be increasing in that, not decreasing. So moving on to chapter four this week, um, I want to pray and we'll just dig into this. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Uh, answered prayers, Lord. Thank you for uh, bringing people here. I know many have been on vacation, bringing them back home, uh, mission trips, uh, teacher trips, uh, hospitals. Lord, we just thank you for uh, the work that you've been doing and answering prayers like that. Lord, we don't take it lightly uh, when we ask specifically for you to heal, for you to to keep safe, to protect. And when you do that, Lord, uh, we know that it's your answered prayer. And so we, we thank you for that. Lord, we ask you to move tonight. Lord, that your message would go out, this word would speak to each of our hearts, and God, we would receive it and apply it in our life as we need, Uh, and Lord, just be glorified in this, Lord, use uh, me as a vessel, and we pray that uh, your will is accomplished, and we'll praise you for that, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you've received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So, again, Paul's already said you need to have a love that's abounding towards each other and a love that's abounding towards all men. And he goes on here and very clearly begins to beg these Thessalonian believers. Not only that, but he's encouraging them. He's exhorting them. He's urging them. Uh, The word uh, exhort is to urge so he is begging them and urging them in, by Jesus Christ, to do something specific. And it's to grow in their walk with God. So it would be like me saying, I'm begging you and I'm urging you that you would grow in your walk with God. And many people might say, well, I mean, how do I do that? Some people say, that's, it. that's easy. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to be faithful to church. You need to be obedient to God. Well, I, I think all those things are essential. Uh, but I, w- I want to look at it specifically. And, and, and I want us to understand something. It's not healthy for any spiritual, uh, any spiritual 
uh, person, somebody who's been born again, somebody who has a re- relationship with God, it's not healthy for anybody to, to stay in the same place spiritually, uh, to spiritually plateau, if you will. Because if you stay in the same place, then you can become stagnant. So Paul tells them, I want you to abound in your Christian conduct and in what pleases God. So you aren't to just, and you've heard me preach this recently, uh, we are creatures of habit and creatures of comfort. We want our lives to get to a place to where we're comfortable. But I will say this, you will never grow as a Christian if you're seeking comfort. Look through the Bible. I mean, look at every single person that God uses in uh, exponential ways, and it's those people that were constantly going from one uncomfortable situation to the next. I mean, name it. Name it. Noah, Moses, Daniel, David, Paul. You go through all of them. Peter. Every single one that God used in a great way, he was constantly taking them from an uncomfortable place to another uncomfortable place. And so for, for us to say, I, man, I just want things to settle down in my life. I just want things to be comfortable. I just want to kind of put it in cruise and go and just my life to be calm. You're not going to grow like that. We don't grow like that. Uh, very clearly, Scripture tells us that through the trials, through the storms, that's how our faith is built, and that's how we grow. And so if we're seeking this, this level of comfort, or this place of comfort in our Christian walk, we're not going to grow. And so again, Paul was looking at these, Christ, uh, these Christians here in uh, Thessalonica, and um, I want you to remember something too. He had com- commended them for their faith. He had commended them uh, that they were continue to, continuing to witness. These things they were doing and continuing to do. So he's saying, hey, you're doing a good job. He charged them to increase their love for each other. What are you doing to increase your love for other, uh, other believers? And I would ask, ask you that question, what in the world? <laughs> I can do baseball signals. Anyways, um, but I would ask you that question. What are you doing to increase your love for the people in this room? Think about it. What are you doing in your life? Not just, well, I show up to church. That's important. But what are you actively doing to increase your love for the people in this, this room, people in this church? One of the greatest paths to increase your love for the body of Trinity Baptist Temple and for all Christians is to pray for them. You know, you've heard me say this years ago. I said that you care about what you pray about, and you pray about what you care about. If you want to care more for the people in this room, begin to pray for them. Um, and and your, your care, your love will continue to grow. Uh, but these Thessalonians had... It continued. They, they didn't quit. They were in the midst of great persecution. They didn't give up. They had great trials. They had great storms. Their lives were being overwhelmed. Uh, I think if we were to interview them now and bring them in here and say, hey, can you explain to us what it was like to become a new Christian and then your life completely be in jeopardy from the very beginning of your Christian walk? Can you explain what that's like? I believe they would say this. It was absolutely overwhelming. It was overwhelming, but we held to what the Apostle Paul taught us. We trusted in God because he, he, he promised the salvation of our soul, and so we, we trusted him to carry us through the trials. 
and he, and he has so far. And even if it costs our life, we know that we'll be with him. Again, they were continuing, and they hadn't given up, and they were increasing in these things. And so, again, charging them to increase in love, now charging them to grow, to increase in their lifestyles spiritually. So he's fervently expressing that spiritual growth is vital. You can't just stay where you're at. You can't just try to be comfortable. You've got to constantly, every day, give effort to growing in your walk. And it's still true today. So point number one is this. If you have notes, I'll encourage you to write it down. Spiritual growth can never be undervalued. You can never say, uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty mature. If you ever get to a place in your Christian walk where you're talking about your own maturity, you are immature spiritually. That, that, that's not something, you never hear the Apostle Paul say that. You never hear him boasting about his spiritual maturity. It just reveals itself. Similar to love. If you love somebody, it's revealed in, in their love. This, uh, I don't know what that is. Is it, is it clipping because of this? No. No. Need to lose some weight back here? <laughs> the problem is. Um, so anyways... Uh, he wanted them to increase in what they were doing as Christians in pleasing God. Um, and so the question that I have is this, how do we then please God? If he was charging them, and the same is true for us, that we can't undervalue spiritual growth, and we say, okay, well then, how is this possible? How am I going to please God? How am I going to increase in pleasing God? Again, Scripture is clear. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, wants something very uh, familiar to all of us. Verse 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now let's go back to what we talked about a while ago. How does our, how does our faith grow? How does it increase? Through trials. Through those tests. And I, I was sharing this with someone this week, and uh, it's so true. Uh, a matter of fact, I know it's today. I was sharing it with him t today. I uh, had, a, had a lunch meeting, and I said, you know, I've shared with our church before that growing up, I just, I didn't like punishment. So I tried to do everything I could to not get in trouble. I wasn't perfect. I got in trouble. But I hated correction. I hated punishment. And I, I hated that negativity. Even to this day, uh, conflicts arise and, and things, and, and that's why there's, there's times that I'm like, now, I just like peace. I just, I just, I know that, that not everybody likes conflict, but uh, that's, you know, early on, if somebody says, you're a pastor. You know, you, you conflict all the time. And I'm like, I know. I don't, I don't, that's just the way it is. I, God knows better, uh, but I would have not have chosen that for myself. So, um, but I was telling them, you know, I, I don't like, Problems. I don't like uh, the correction, the negativity, all those things. And I've told God before, I would really like the easy way. Like, I, I can read something, just, just write it down. He wrote it down. Just, I, I'll read it, I'll do it. I, um, it just, just tell me something, show me something. I, just the easy way, <laughs> I want the easy way. And um, God's ways are better. And not to get in all of it, but 
there's reasons why we have to go through the negative things to build our faith. Um, I was telling somebody on Sunday with our kids, we don't tell them yes all the time. And we don't give them everything that they want. And there's a reason why we don't. Because first of all, we know that's going to spoil them. And they're going to learn to live for the things that they have and, and always demand a yes. But number two, there are times that we tell our kids no when we don't let them have certain things. We don't let them go certain places. We don't let them hang out with certain friends. We don't let them date certain uh, uh, lost individuals or whatever. And there's a reason why. Why is that so? Why do we say no? Why do we tell them you can't do that? You don't need to do that. You will not do that. Why do we do that? Because as their parents, we know better. We know better. And so for us to say to God, God, why won't you fix this? Why won't you change this? Why won't you just make it easy on me? Why won't you just let me cruise through my Christian walk? And the answer, I believe, in, 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 in a summary would be, because God knows better. You want to go ahead and change this? Amen. <laughs> I see you back there standing. Yes? Oh, hey, ooh, that's louder. Amen. Anyways, see, that's what the enemy does. He distracts. Um, but look also in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Ooh, this is hot. Hello. First Samuel 15, verse 22, um, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Now, many of you know the background of this story. Saul was king, um, and he had decided upon himself that he was going to do what only God has assigned to the priest, the priest to do. Uh, he took it upon himself, did that, disobeyed God, and thought, you know what? We're going to take the best of these, and we're going to sacrifice them to God. I know better than what God told me to do. And because he did that, God took the kingship away from him. And so this is the prophet Samuel telling him, look, you think that God has delight in bringing a special ram or bringing a special, uh, and let's put it in our terms today, you think God delights in you giving $5,000 versus the person that gives $1, you think the amount is, is what God is interested in? God's not interested in, 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 in these amounts. Now, they're a blessing if you're doing it for the right reason. And God is honored in that if you're doing it for the right reason. But it very clearly is revealed that God is interested in us obeying him. To obey him versus sacrifice is, is way better. If, if you say, you know what, I'm giving God my money. I'm showing up at this. I'm doing that. I, I'm doing that. That should be good enough. Not if you're not obeying him. God's interested in your obedience. God's interested in our obedience to his will. See, faith and obedience go hand in hand. All throughout scripture, they go hand in hand. From the very beginning, Adam was to trust God at his word and obey him at his word he didn't he sinned and the consequences continue to flow from that time even still today because he didn't obey 
I think there's times in our life that we see the commands of God as bad things. Uh, we look um, from a fleshly perspective, and we think, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't think everybody has to do that. Or why do I have to do that? And we begin to evaluate what God has commanded, again, from a fleshly perspective. When it's clear, very clear, that all of God's commands are only for our good. As a loving father, as, as a God who is willing to make his self flesh and die in our place, he doesn't want to tell us something just because. He doesn't want to tell us something to do or not to do just because he wants us to not have fun in this world. He tells us, he gives us commands for our good and our good alone. And so in our flesh, we can, we can think, wow, I can't do anything fun if, or anything that I want to do if I obey God all the time in all things. But of course, that's not true. Think about this. Would you want somebody to command you to stop crossing a street if they knew a vehicle was coming around the corner and it would save your life? Would you want them to command you to stop going that direction if they knew it was coming and it, was, it, it would injure you? Absolutely. Every single one of them would say, absolutely. I would want them to tell me to stop and I would want to obey them if it meant my life. But the problem is, sometimes we want to see the vehicle for ourselves. We, we want to see the danger. We want to see what negative consequences are going to come if we don't listen or if we do something different. Maybe it's not exactly opposite of what we're commanded, but we do something a little bit different. Well, I'm gonna, I know you're going to do this, and, 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 but maybe I'll just go further down the street and cross. Again, we may not see it, but we would be very glad to listen if we knew it would save our life. And the same thing is true. Sometimes we don't see how obeying God at his word immediately will help us. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to be a part of that? Why is it so important for me to do this? But just because we don't see or understand something in the moment doesn't mean it's not for our benefit. Besides that, our faith in obedience aligns us with the Lord. It keeps us in fellowship with Him, and, and the closer that we draw to Him in that, the more we grow. And so Paul's charge to them was very clear. I'm, I'm begging you, I'm urging you to, to grow in your faith. In order for them to do that, they were going to continue to go through the trials. They were going to have to continue to grow in their faith in order to grow in their walk and that was only going to happen by their obedience. You can only grow spiritually with faith and obedience. So the opposite is true. You can't grow spiritually without faith and without obedience, period. And so I don't know if I agree with that. Listen to this. You know, you know what the truth of God's word is, is that the first command for every Christian is to be baptized. We know that the first step in obedience to God as a Christian is a command to obey, and that's to be baptized. Without that, you can't grow 
the way that God intended. That's why we encourage people, hey, if you've not been baptized, if you know you're a Christian, you've not been baptized, then ultimately your growth is stunted as a Christian. We need to obey God's commands. But as we look on, Paul reminds them of what he said, and I want you to listen to this very carefully because look what those first couple words are in verse 2. He says this, For you know. You know, he says. Isn't that interesting? Why would the Apostle Paul write something back to the church in Thessalonica, something they already knew? Think about that. If they knew it, they knew it in their minds, they knew it in their heart, it was something they've already been told maybe several times, why would the Apostle Paul see the need, well, not him, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul, and him say to these Thessalonian believers, you know, you already know. What do they already know? He says, you know what commands that we gave you by the Lord Jesus. You already know these commands, that, that these things that we've already shown you by God, but I'm going to remind you. That's what he's saying. You already know these things. You know the commands that God gave you through us, but I'm going to remind you. See, he's about to tell them something they already knew. Now, I, I don't know if you've been in that situation before, but uh, you're probably in that situation tonight because there's certain things that I've already said that you've probably already said, I already knew that. I already knew that without faith it's impossible to please God. I, I already knew that Saul... Um, took uh, animals that he wasn't supposed to take and, and thought that he could sacrifice them to God and God would be pleased with that versus his obedience to God in the first place. I already knew those things. But tonight, in this message, you're hearing them again. Paul is reminding them. And again, it's the same thing that's happening tonight. It's the same thing that happens in many of our Sunday school classes. You often hear the same things. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, it's because you have knowledge of Scripture. You have knowledge of the Bible stories. Many of you in here are teaching them in children's ministries, in adult classes, in Bible classes, uh, to your kids. You know these things. But if, if that's the case, if we know these things, then why isn't everyone perfect in the knowledge that we have? Let me ask it a different way. Why is it still the case that we seem to forget what we know in the moments that we fail and fall? We know the answer to that too. It's our flesh. It's our flesh. That's also in line with what God's ways are. And you say, what do you mean? The flesh, I mean, that's why he gave teachers and preachers, as Ephesians chapter 4 says, for the perfecting of the saints. Not because preachers or teachers are, are superhuman or super spiritual. Not because preachers and teachers and, and pastors are uh, better than anybody or less sinful as anybody. It's because it's God's way. It's because it's God's design. And so I, I just, I don't really love that. 
I mean, sometimes that's why I don't really feel like going to church because I, I feel like I'm going to sit there and, and while, yes, I, I don't really hate being there. I mean, I love the people. Uh, it, it, I get it, but sometimes I just don't feel like going and, and, and I'm probably going to hear something that I'm already familiar with or already know. But that's God's ways. It, it would be similar to this. I don't think man needs lungs. Telling God that the day he was forming man from the dirt. I don't think he needs lungs. Well, why would, why would you think that? Well, I just think that there could be a different way. I don't think that's necessary. But we know that we couldn't breathe now without lungs. So God created lungs. He breathed in man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God's ways are better. God knows better. His design is better, both in the human body and his creation and in the institution of the church. And so we have the things that we have because they are God's ways and they are right. So we preach and we teach and, and we do as the Apostle Paul was with these Thessalonians. Why? To keep us always reminded of what God's word says and what God commands in his word. That's why. That's why, again, you came tonight, and, and again, you've hear, heard some similar things, and, and you've been reminded of these things, and, and it stirred up the, the memory that, of things that you already knew. It's because that's what God's design is. That's what God's purpose is. And if it's not necessary, then this is the case. You, as I said a while ago, you and I would walk out of this building, and with all of the knowledge that we have, never sin. Never fall short. That's what would happen if we didn't need it. And so, why? Well, you know, it's just a matter of my flesh. I, I, wouldn't, I don't need to be reminded. Then we go out and not have any problems. Go out and not have any struggles. Go out and not have, ever sin. I mean, again, if we're already perfected in the knowledge that we have of God's word, that would be the case. But I know for me, that's not the case. I'm going to walk out of here, and, and by God's grace, I won't, but chances are I'm going to, have a wrong thought. I'm going to not respond to something the right way. I'm going to, uh, something. There, there's, there's something I'm going to fall short in. And it's not until I hear God's word, read God's word, again, that I'm reminded of that. And so again, we preach and we teach because we are to be reminded of what God says. And I'll say this, the Thessalonians, even though they were young believers, they weren't ignorant. They weren't ignorant. They were human. Just like you and I. Mmm. Can I get a handheld? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll swing it around. You can mute that thing. Good? Okay. But um, the Thessalonians, just like you and I, needed stirring and reminding. Uh, but I, I want you to look in your Bibles if you have second, in Second Peter chapter 1. Something, again, that you might be familiar with. Something I know I've preached before. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Apostle Peter says this, Wherefore, listen, listen to these words. He says, I will not be negligent. See, he, he knew that, remember the, the walk that he had with Jesus? The walk that he had with Jesus was this. Do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you. What, did, what was Christ's command to him? Feed my sheep. What, what does sheep eat? Anybody know? What do they eat? 
farmers, what do they eat? Grass, right? That's what they do. They graze, right? Do the sheep go over to, like, the pig trough and eat the pig slop? They don't, right? No. They eat grass, right? That's their diet. That's what they eat every day. Every day they eat grass. They don't eat something new. They eat grass every day. That's the way God designed them. Guess what? We are God's sheep. Jesus told them, told, told Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You can imagine Peter's mind, what he was, what he was thinking. Oh, man. What, what, what am I supposed to cover? What, what are all the, the, the different uh, issues of life that I'm supposed to cover? Peter knew what he was supposed to feed them. Jesus told them, told them when he was walking there, he said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He knew that he had to feed the sheep of God with the word of God. And so he's saying, I'm not going to be negligent. Peter's telling these people, I'm not going to be negligent. Listen to these words. To put you always in remembrance of these things. Listen to these next words. Though you know them. Did you hear what he just said? Christ told him, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times. You love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. You love me? You know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Feed them my word. So Peter's telling these, 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 the, the, the audience here, I'm going to stir you up to remembrance. And I'm not going to be negligent of that. I'm going to keep you always in remembrance of these things. Even though you already know them, I'm going to constantly remind you all the time of these things and be established in the present truth. And listen as he goes on. Yay, I think it meet, it's necessary, it's right, as long, that I'm, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So again, he's telling them, I'm going to bring to remembrance and I'm going to stir you up. That's, that's, that's my job is to continue to teach and preach the word of God is to keep you always stirred up in these things. And then he goes on to say, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. Eventually I, I, I'm going to be out of this body. I'm going to go on to be with the Lord even as our Lord Jesus has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be after, able after my decease, when I pass away, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunning devise, uh, cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory. He received God, from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the, ex, uh, from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came, out, came from heaven we heard in, uh, when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereun, whereunto you do well that you would take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. In chapter 3, he continues. Same book, chapter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, it's the second letter that he wrote to them. Beloved, I now write to you in, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of, of remembrance that you may be mindful 
that you keep it in your mind all the time, the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So it's very simple. Paul's job, Peter's job, my job, Sunday school teacher's job is to teach the word of God, is to preach the word of God, to, to continue to give the commands of God as, as a body, we are to all receive them. Even if we already know them, we are to receive them and be stirred up in our remembrance always. See, Paul had given them the word of God for the first time, these Thessalonian believers. And now, in this very first letter, he's telling them again what God's commands are. He says, you know what commands that we already gave you by the Lord Jesus. You already know these things, and so I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to give it to you again. And I want you to hear this. That's where the power is. That's where the power is. You say, what do you mean? The power is in the Word of God. The power is in the Word of God when we allow it to work in our life. And please listen. It's not an entertaining presentation. It's not. That's not where the power is. Because you can be stirred in an entertaining presentation and that will fizzle out. But the word of God, the Bible says, endureth forever. The word of God is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. It's God's word that does the change in our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that works inside of us and instructs us and teaches us. I'm just a vessel. You're just a vessel. We're just instruments that God's, God uses according to his plan. But it's his work. It's his word. It's his spirit. We're the ones that have got to let it work in us. So that's why Paul was simply saying, you already know these things. But I'm going to tell you them again. I'm going to remind you of these things. So the power doesn't come in our lives for the word of God to impact. It doesn't come through powerful presentations. It, it doesn't come from uh, entertaining uh, speaking. Matter of fact, someone said this. Sometimes Christians want to hear a new truth. When what they need is exhortation to excel still more. To press on to greater experiencing of old truths. Which they are already practicing to a limited degree. That, that's what we need. We, we need God's word preached to us over and over and over in our daily devotion, in, in, in our Sunday school class, in our worship services, when you're driving to work. Every day we need God's word stirred up in our minds and our hearts to remind us every single day of what God has commanded us. Why? Because it's imperative. And that's point number two. Steadfast receiving and obeying God's word is imperative for all believers. It's imperative for me. It's imperative for you. It's imperative to the, 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 the most renowned Christian speaker uh, on, uh, in America right now, around the world. Every single Christian needs daily, faithful, steadfast receiving of God's word and obeying it. The first two verses that we just read, they, they point to an illustration, if you will, uh, with two specific 
points, two specific exhortations. And we'll, we'll close with this. The first one has to do with sexual purity. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. See, Scripture is clear throughout. God desires His people to be holy. And it says here, the will of God is our sanctification. There's a couple of verses that Scripture tells us what God's will is. The New Testament Coming up in chapter 5 of Thessalonians, verse 18, it says this, And everything give thanks. And everything give thanks. And he says why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we are to give thanks in all things. That's God's will. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. The will of God is that we would, with well-doing, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, living our lives according to God's will. So these are the aspects of God's will for his people, but they're not the all-encompassing will of God for our life. God's will, period, for our life is that we become more like him. That's the sanctification process. That's the process by which we are conformed to the image of Christ, as Romans says. It's a spiritual process. Him molding us to become holy. We have to ask a question tonight. And this is the question. Are you yielding to God? Am I yielding to God? Seeking to be in His will. And furthermore, the more specific question. Is it your goal to be holy as He is? I can be honest with you and tell you in my Christian life, there has been times that my aim was to be holy as he was holy. That I desired it, that I wanted it. I, that was the goal of my life. And I'm not trying to sound pious or, or super spiritual. I'm not boasting in that at all. I'm just saying it by testimony. There have been times in my life that all I wanted was to be holy like God was holy. But you heard me say that there have been times because on the flip side, there have been times in my life that that was not the goal of my life. That, that, that my goal wasn't to be holy like he was holy. Again, that's God's will for every single one of his children. He wants us to, to be holy as he is holy. And so I want to say tonight, if your goal and my goal, sitting here tonight, standing here tonight, if, that, if your goal is not to be holy as he is holy, you're shooting at the wrong goal. All of us have seen those little kids' games, little basketball games, little soccer games, even football games. They're just learning how to, to play the game, even baseball. You know, you know see them on T-ball, there it is. They hit the ball, and they start running to second base. They start running to third base. They're going the wrong direction. They're aiming at the wrong goal. They, they steal the basketball, and, and, you know, and I know YMCA, and it's... It, It'll drive you crazy. They can't steal the ball from them at a certain age. They can't block their shot. And I'm, 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 I'm watching my nephew. That's who I was watching. I was, hey, it was driving me crazy. Went to one of his games, and I saw, oh, my goodness. They can't steal the ball. They can't block the ball. They've got to let the other kids shoot. But there were times that they still would rebound the ball, the other team, and shoot at, the, shoot at their own goal. 
the, you know, or shoot at the, the, the wrong goal. You see it in soccer too. Kid gets free, there's the ball, they're going the wrong way. And th- th- nobody's stopping them because they're going the wrong way. The other team's letting them go. Football, same thing. Kid pick, hands off the ball, comes to the line, hits it, gets turned around, and just starts running for an open end zone. Wrong goal. What are we shooting at tonight? What is our goal in our lives? Is it our goal to be holy like he's holy? If, if your goal is to, to get to a better f- place financially, if your goal is to uh, get a better job, if your goal is to, to, to anything like that, if that's your goal in your life, you're shooting at the wrong thing. As a child of God, his will, his desire is for us to be holy like he's holy. Everything else will take, he'll take care of us if that's, if that's what our heart is. We're going to stop there tonight. And uh, Next week, if the Lord wills, we'll see these instructions. We'll see these commands that Paul said. You already know these things. We've already told you these things. Um, but maybe tonight, you, during this time of invitation, you need to pray that prayer. God, I want my goal to be that I want to be holy like you're holy. You know where I'm at tonight, God. You know what's going on in my life. You know where my heart is. And, and my goal is not to be holy as you're holy. I'm off focus. I'm shooting at the wrong thing. God, help me to be shooting at the right thing. Or maybe go back a little further, and, and this spoke to you tonight, to, to remember. And you, you say, God, I want to grow in my spiritual walk. I feel like I'm in a dry place. I feel like I've plateaued. I feel like I'm not growing spiritually. And I want to grow. I want to grow again. And I know I've got to do that through faith and obedience in your commands. Please help me. So whatever, wherever you're at, whatever you need to do, or maybe you just want to talk to the Lord about something tonight. I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray. And uh, when I'm done, they're going to pray. They're going to play the music, and I want to invite you to come. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. We thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be reminded of these things. Lord, we know that it's imperative for us to grow. A healthy anything grows and produces. So God, help us be healthy vessels that, that bring glory to you, that are growing spiritually, that are growing in our conduct, Lord, help us be that. Lord, help us also to be obedient to your commands, understanding that they're good for us. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be who you've called us to be. Help us to aim at the right goal. Help us to desire to be holy as you're holy. I ask that you just move tonight and this time. We'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name.